It's hard because I want this to be done. I want this to be finished and I want to resume with my career. Should I just sit back and accept the fact that Are you going to sue the board? No, of course. I'll be suing the board. When? I'll... When it will be suing them now. My, le my legal team will be in touch with you. When? You know, as soon as... But how much money do you know? For the full loss of earnings, damaged reputation. What, how much is because that? Because the, the board don't... The board shouldn't recognise violence. Let me ask you this. Let's assume for a moment your theory is right. It's a theory. It's not proven scientifically. It hasn't been ratified by any governing body. But if your theory is right for contaminated, it would prompt the question, well, why? Who would want to do that? Uh, it would be in the... It would, the only way it would be contamination if it... In whose interest is it to, to ruin this great fight? I'm not, I'm not saying it was deliberate. What, in the lab? I'm not saying it was deliberate. You know, it may be an error in the testing. I'm not saying deliberately. I'm not saying that anyone's in the lab deliberately done this. It may, I'm not saying that at all, but it may be an accident. It may be an error. Hey, and welcome back to the number one podcast in the sport where whew, we're still talking about Conor Ben and his failed clomiphene tests. Now, you almost feel if he'd held his hands up by well before this point, we'd be talking about Conor Ben fighting, but it doesn't feel like we're going to be talking about Conor Ben fighting for a while yet. Definitely, it doesn't feel like a 2023 situation now, does it? And... That is entirely of his own doing, so there's no sympathy from this end for anything that, that, that is befalling him at this point, because this could have all been resolved a while ago. So a brief summary. In the build-up to the Eubank fight, Conor Ben failed a test for clomiphene in July. I think he failed for a test for clomiphene in August. And... Upon those two failed tests, the fight was still scheduled to go ahead. We don't know the real details, but what we do know is the story leaked out in fight week, and a day after that, the fight was pulled. Quite rightly, the right outcome happened. As boxing fans, none of us are happy with the process that underpinned it. None of us are happy with how this was conducted. And if we're being honest, none of us are happy with her, none of us are happy with Sowland, we're not happy with Eubank, nor are we happy with Ben, because we feel this was just a money grab and the fans were incidental to this. More worryingly, the integrity of the sport wasn't even considered once, until it became a media issue. So, that's what's triggered all of this. And since then, we've sort of had these sporadic episodes of Conor Ben coming out swinging, trying to demonstrate that He's innocent of everything. And it's been everything, hasn't it? It's been the, the expected aggression. Then it was the cry for sympathy. Then it was an explanation of contamination in a lab, threats of lawsuits, um, legal teams, superstar teams costing hundreds of thousands of pounds a month. So all of this led us to a Piers Morgan interview where he essentially just blew everything in the air. Yeah, he just basically detonated um, the napalm bomb all over everything everyone had said to defend him. And I think at that point, people started to walk away and say, this is a hard one to come back from. And sort of since then, Conor Ben's been a bit in the wilderness until the last few weeks where he seems emboldened and he's sort of calling people out again. And he seems confident that he can beat this case. And as it turns out, he does a piece in The Times with Matt Lawton, which my own opinion was it was pretty poor journalism. And it's a reminder that 
in the age of the internet, in the age of social media, journalists aren't really required because the stuff they report on is the stuff we're seeing too. So whatever Matt Lawton had to say, it felt like a puff piece for, for Conor Ben. Poor journalistic credibility in my, in my mind because it didn't address everything that had been said and done before in enough depth to give this modern development any kind of context. In parallel, what we've also seen is the cleaning up of the Conor Ben image. So gone are the ostentatious shows of wealth, success, all of that stuff. That's all gone now. You're not seeing him larking around in the Rolls Royce as much. The beer's been shaved off. So now he's, he's trying to look more and more like that child of privilege that we knew he was in a bid to carry public sympathy. You know, let me look less threatening, less intimidating. Let me stand next to people taller than me so I don't look like this big monster and you'll feel sorry for me. All of these small psychological tactics they're using to prime the public for forgiving Conor Ben. And the challenge you've actually got is boxing fans want someone to fall. They want to see someone fail a drugs test and do a two-year ban. Whether it's Conor Ben, whether it's Dillian White, whether it's Hulk Hogan, it doesn't matter. People want to see someone fail a test and do a ban. Instead of all of this legalese and the shenanigans and the, the subterfuge and the you know, trying to tell us, I mean, that white is black and black is white. We just want someone to hold their hands up and take a two-year ban. That is it. So let, let's try and piece together where we're at with the Conor Ben situation now. So it looks like he's got rid of the old team. Um, whoever the old team were, it looked like there were a mixture of lawyers, scientists, whoever. I got, he got rid of those. And he... <laughs> it, it, Do you know what it's like? It's like it's like kicking out the England starting fifteen in rugby and then replacing them today with Jason Leonard, Lawrence Delalio, Martin Johnson. Um, God, let's go even further back and talk about guys like Brian Moore or Ben Clark, uh, Steve Ajomo, legend by the way, Victor Obogu, legend as well, Adadeo Adebayo. It's like replacing. Like the current team with those guys, right? Like it just it it looked shambolic. Even the press picture they took looked shambolic. So one of them's a guy called uh, I said Cariol, um, Gambian guy. Um, I don't know, man. Like just looking into his family background in the Gambian stuff, he might have been a guy descended from people who sold slaves. That's what it looks like. The way he talks, he definitely strikes as being one of the establishment. Um, you know, professional grifter, the usual stuff. But this is just an opinion, by the way. So they wean him in. Who knows why? Who knows where he found him, man? But, you know, maybe it's a wise old head that Connor will listen to. And then on the other side, you had a Dr. Eniel. And from what we can gather with him, he might be a PED doctor as well because he's obsessed with the stuff about human performance. And what we know is the stuff over the counter doesn't quite cut it, right? So he's involved in all this stuff. And there's also like the surgical stuff, the body sculpting and stuff. So he's definitely involved in people trying to circumvent nature. We can, we can all agree on that. So these are the people they've wheeled in front and center. And so they've gone to Turkey of all places, right? The place that nearly killed Russ. They've gone to Turkey, and they found some guy that no one had ever heard of before, by the way. Now, this feels a bit like the whole COVID crisis. They find a guy that no one's ever heard of before. 
Maybe he's popular in the medical world, I don't know, but he's definitely not known here because if he was, we'd have been talking about his research way before this point. So they find a guy in Turkey who, who does fertility and stuff, and they're talking. So the central argument now is, when you give clomiphene orally, whether you take it as a tablet or a capsule, it, it has a metabolite profile X, however you want to call it, it's got its own metabolite profile, versus when you take it in from a food source. But clomiphene is not naturally occurring. So my question is, what is, what is the metabolite profile in the chicken? Would the chicken have to go through the same thing Connor Ben does? Don't know. What if it just passes through the chicken? Uh, so so the, the, the sort of the mysterious metabolite profile thing is a nice distraction, isn't it? But it doesn't detract from the fact that it was in Connor Ben's system. So now what they're saying is, we accept that it was in Connor Ben's system. Right? That's the implication of everything that's come out in the Matt Lawton article. And, and this is why it was poor journalism. The implication is very clear. Yes, there was clomiphene in Connor Ben's system. We are no longer disputing the findings of the lab. And then we've got to pause there, haven't we? That's exactly where we've got to pause, because then we've got to go back. Go way, way back. Almost always, it is proven that they did. You're in the strange position of, you're in a kind of mid-position mid right now, because the WBC have come back, and they have said uh, that they think there may have been reasons why you had this in your body, but they have made a presumption it was in your body. You don't even accept no, that. I don't, I don't accept that. How so when they say you may have taken, and it got a lot of attention this, and some mockery, yeah. but when they said it may have been a highly elevated consumption of eggs okay. could have created this positive testing, you, you don't even accept that? I don't accept that, no. The WBC, while I was on the, me and my team were on the phone to them um, on a Zoom call, they had come out and said that they are, one of their scientists are currently dealing with two cyclists who have tested positive for clomiphene in traces um, and they can prove this in the embryos in the eggs. I'm not willing to accept it because the 270-page report that I sent over to them, mm. what my team sent over to them, had nothing to do with eggs. It had everything to do with my test testing negative three times and nine days later testing positive. They didn't conclude they found anything wrong with the testing. What they did say, they said there was no conclusive evidence that Mr. Ben engaged in intentional or knowing ingestion of clomiphene. But there you have it, in his own words. And you imagine he would have been briefed by his team about what to say. And in his own words, although why the WBC would be investigating two cyclists is kind of beyond me, but in his own words, it wasn't in his system. He rejects that. Yeah, he has an issue with the fact that the lab produced negative findings and a positive finding, um, which, as I said at the time, is ridiculous. But they're Conor Ben's own words. So we've gone from that, in the space of three or so months, we've gone from Conor Ben saying that to now Conor Ben saying, yeah, this is what's going to get me exonerated. And it's very, very hard because you're going to sit in a hearing and somebody, because remember, these are very smart lawyers that sit in this room and someone is just going to play that clip back and say, what was happening here? You know, 
are you now going to sue the team that did the 270-page report? Because clearly, either you're lying today or they're lying. Which one is it? You know, when this trial happens, a lot of what's been said in the past will come to light. And a lot of people are going to have to ask Connor Ben why the energy is different now. Why is energy different from when he was on Piers Morgan? British boxing license on TV in the 80s. Mm. You know, the board loan, that ain't going to stop me from fighting. They can't stop me from fighting. Well, they can stop you having a professional fight in this country. In this country, and that's fine. So be it. Is that they filed, they filed seven misconduct charges against me. One of them was they wanted, because uh, we wanted the fight to go ahead. The second one was because we didn't tell Eubank immediately. And on the Monday, they said, we're upholding all charges. I thought you lot can do one. You think I'm going to sit here and take this? But if you have you... all, what they said is, well, show us the evidence. I, but I couldn't care you've less. Got, you've got 270 pages of apparent evidence. Sure. Well, well, he doesn't anymore, does he? <laughs> now, those 270 pages of evidence disappeared pretty quickly once the other side scientists got to look at it. So I think where we can say we are now, coming to the end of June, is the integrity of the lab has been confirmed. Everyone is happy with the tests. Everyone is happy with the results of the tests. Even Connor's team are saying, yeah, he ingested clomiphene. They're saying that he ingested it from eggs, though. But like I said, when you play that argument, you've got to go back and say, well, Connor Ben says it's not from eggs. So he was lying then or he's lying now. Which one is it? So that also then brings in the WBC. Well, if Connor Ben was saying at the time it wasn't from eggs, so on what basis have they cleared him? They must have been wrong in the conclusion they drew because Connor's like, no, it's not from eggs. So this is where this gets messy. This is where this gets horrible. And I don't want to delve too deep in because there are so many episodes in the archives that I've done on this, but we're entering this interesting endgame now because this is almost his last hand to play. If this doesn't work, he's going to have to hold his hands up and take the two-year ban. Because realistically, by the time this is done, it would have been two years anyway. And I, I will explain what I mean. At some point, this band of merry men that Team Ben have assembled are going to have to present their evidence to UCAD. And at that point, UCAD will then say, our lot need to have a look at this. And so we need to understand it. We need to work out our counterpoints. And we need to understand if strict liability still applies, which it does, because strict liability needs no context. And that's the thing that Conor Ben's forgotten. Now that his team have said the clomiphene was in him, strict liability kicks in for sure. Now he's looking at a two-year ban, maybe a four-year ban. Unless he can show it was contamination from eggs and he can nail down the exact place where he got the eggs. And I imagine what they've probably done in this time is gone to Ibiza, or they've sent someone to Ibiza who's tried every restaurant. And they've gone, right, Connor, look at your bank statements. Where did you eat? Yeah? And all the places he ate in Ibiza, they've tried all the eggs there. Or they've tried something, they've gone, right, this has got clomiphene, this has got clomiphene. And that will be their argument. But... Like I said, you'd have to establish this happened at the time. And if he doesn't have evidence for that, because he has to produce evidence to raise the doubt or the reasonable suspicion of unintentional ingestion. He has to provide evidence, not, not just logic, but evidence, right? 
And what UCAD generally do is they look at the wider context and the behaviors. And so they're going to go back and go, why, why didn't you say this in the beginning? Why didn't you seek this sort of advice in the beginning? Why did you tell us that you didn't have it in you? There are all of these uncomfortable questions Conor Ben has to face. By the time you've got through all of this, you're at the end of the year. Maybe into early next year. And that's if you can schedule everyone in at the right time. Because remember, some of these lawyers, arbitrators, and so forth, they're busy. So if you can't get it done by the end of the year, you're into early next year. So by the time Conor Ben fights, it would have been two years anyway. So he may as well have just held his hand up. But I think there has to be an appetite for everyone in boxing for this to get wrapped up now. The board have to come with something and say, look, just sit it out for another year, come back and box. UCAD will say, look, just cough to it, we'll backdate it, you're all good. That's really, I think, where we're at. Like, if we go through this trying to clear your name thing, but what are you trying to clear your name of now? First it was, I've never ingested clomiphene. No one believed that. Now it's, uh, yeah, I, I ingested it, but it wasn't deliberate. But we're now we're like, well, we knew you ingested it. So we know it was either reckless or intentional. We also have to look at your wider behavior. Like, why was it after the second failed test you brought Dr. Uz in? Was it to make sure you didn't fail another test? Is this why Dr. Eniel? Is that why he's been brought in to make sure you don't fail another test? I'm not sure. These are just questions. But when you break this down and you strip this down, this is a long road back for Conor Ben because you threatened to sue every man and his dog. And all of a sudden, you're having to admit that they were correct. What if they decide to sue you? So a lot of this hasn't been well thought out. I'm telling you, it hasn't been well thought out. I don't think... I don't think he's got a leg to stand on. I just don't. I think they're just reaching... They're reaching at straws now. And it's, it's really about keeping the Conor Ben revenue machine going. Because the money's probably not what it used to be. And him being out the ring for a year with his overheads... He's, he's sinking deep into those savings. I think that's what this is about. Get Conor Ben out earning as fast as possible. Because if you're Eddie Hearn, you're like, all my other guys are letting me down here. Conor Ben's like the only, I think, the only kind of like name brand star he's got where they're, kind of, they're undefeated, but yeah, untested, but still box office. Good, bad, or indifferent. Ben versus Eubank. Well, Baby Ben versus Baby Eubank is still box office. And that's what, that's what her needs, probably what Callan needs, and the needs of the boxers actually become irrelevant at this point. So this is the end game now. If this doesn't work, just expect the band to kick in. I think I speak for all fans, though, when I say we just need this saga to be over. Well, we need this saga to be over, and we need Conor Ben to have a serious career now. Like, he's going to, by the time he fights again, he'd have lost a year and a half of prime development years, by the way. You know, you can do everything you want in the gym, and that's cool. But there comes a point where you have to be in that ring. You have to be in those moments. You have to be the main man. You've got to deal with all of that. And he's losing track. We also need to have an honest discussion about how we get rid of the scourge of drugs and boxing because I'm telling you now with absolute certainty 
the problem in the women's part of the division, or the part of boxing, the, the amount of doping happening amongst our women boxers, it will be mind-blowing. Now, it's not going to be the stuff that guys are taking, like Nandrolone or anything crazy like that. But there are women playing with their health. There are women playing with their fertility. There are women playing essentially with their long-term hormone health. And a lot of it's driven by, you know, this is what I mean about, is it PEDs or is it just survival? A lot of it is driven by the need to make weight. A, a lot of women would struggle to make weight without certain aids, be that estrogen blockers, estrogen inhibitors, um, a clenbuterol to like a beta agonist. You know, all those things they would consume. They don't necessarily need to take the testosterone, but they will take those things to, to counter the effects of estrogen, which are you know the desire to hold on to body fat and the desire to catabolize muscle. But there's a doping problem in boxing. I was talking to a friend of mine who, who works with powerlifters. And one of the surprising trends is the number of not just boxers, MMA fighters, kickboxers, Thai boxers, who are coming for help with that. And then once they've sort of figured out the weight making, then it's like, well, can you make me this much stronger? Can you make me this much faster? And so as much as people will tell you on Instagram and in this platform and that platform that they're fully natural, only a small, only a small proportion of them are natural. Um, if you were to ask me, like I saw Alicia Baumgartner over the weekend, and one of two things is true with Alicia Baumgartner. Either she's getting some help from someone, somewhere, somehow, or she's got the kind of hormone issues that would require that she takes the test that Casa Semenya took. Yeah? Because I don't know if anyone's noticed, but her, her head has grown. Like, physically, her head has grown since she fought Terry Harper. You can see the difference. And that generally doesn't happen with women unless they gain body fat, but she hasn't gained body fat. So where does that come from? But people don't want to ask these questions because people see women's boxing as the lesser. But because the mismatches are greater in women's boxing, especially at that lower end, if we really want to protect our women, we'll start making a bigger song and dance about this and encourage UCAT to be actively chasing up are out of competition women. Like they caught remember they, they they've caught female boxers before and had to ban them for a couple of years. So you know the stuff I'm saying is not coming out of nowhere. But yeah, I worry about the safety of women's boxing just because of that. Because there are a lot of physiques you're seeing where you know what they've had to go through to get into that kind of shape. And it's not good for their long term health and it's not good for the health of their opponent. But how we address this is we start we start banning teams. Like Chris Eubanks Sr. said. The whole camp should get banned. So everyone affiliated with that gym at the relevant time, banned. Yep, even the people without licenses, banned. And you can just have that association order. If you see these guys around any licensed athletes, those athletes get banned. And that's all you do. And then over time, you'll start to flush these jokers out. And that's, so that's what I'm waiting for, is that real step forward to say, if Conor Ben is guilty... It's not just going to be him that takes the fall. The whole team has to go. Not because I don't like him, but we're never going to get this out of the sport unless we get full control over it. And this is the only way we can do that. Something else I wanted to touch on was, uh, this is a bit more lighthearted, to be honest. So I read, yeah, thanks, uh, Martin sent me this, that Coogan Cassius was doing an IFL live event. Now, off the top of my head, I think it's him, Eddie Hearn, Darren Barker, John Fisher. 
so it's just like like a match from old boys reunion, isn't it? Like a match from alumni reunion. So it's not really, yeah. So I'm I'm torn on this. So part of me is like, go on, have a go, find out if it's good, find out if it's bad, find out if you can do it or not. So so part of me is, yeah, go ahead, mate. Congratulations, do it. I hope it's a success. I hope you sell some tickets. But then there's a part of me that says Coogan wasn't complimentary about us doing a live show. He was making fun of us doing the live show. It wouldn't sell tickets. It'd be empty. This was all said, and it got back to me. Um, it got back to me after the event, but I, you know, I've, I, I've sat on it. And so when I heard that, I was like, this is what you deal with in this game. Like, I've done enough episodes here where people have listened, and I've been honest. I've said, I believe everyone should jump in front of a mic. Well, you know, when I hear, like, for example, I hear Porky Russ get criticized by people. He's this, he's that. And I say, okay. He shouldn't have an opinion on boxing. Okay. But you can get a microphone, and you can get a camera, and you can get a YouTube subscription, and you can have a go. And maybe you become the voice of boxing. And if you do, we will watch you. We will follow you. We will cheer you on. You know, but being on the sidelines doesn't cut it. And so Coogan's about to put himself in the, in the firing line. Like Max Branning did with Spencer Oliver. And they found out. Boxing's a smaller market than you think. And sometimes when you see the numbers you're getting. And you forget that those numbers used to be enhanced. You overestimate how many people will put their hand in their pocket for something that's essentially free. Because one of, look, there are only three options for this live show. No questions from the audience, scripted questions from the audience, or a free-for-all. Now, that free-for-all would end the IFL. You'd get questions about Epstein. You get questions about Sky Nicholson. It would it would turn nasty very, very quickly because that's why people would show up. They'd show up to troll. But the problem is, anything other than that gets your brand slaughtered anyway. So Coogan's on a hiding to nothing. I wish him all the best and I'll follow events with interest. I won't go, obviously, because he wouldn't go to mine. But I'll follow with interest. But the fact that he was dismissive of what we were doing points to... Not necessarily that he's an arsehole, because I don't believe that. It points to this kind of, this emperor complex he has, that he's the king of boxing content. And he was. I don't know if he still is. You know, let me say it again so I'm clear. At some point, you will put Coogan Cassius in the Boxing Hall of Fame as one of those kind of non-boxing people that gets in, like Sylvester Stallone. He will get in. There's no question about that. He, he deserves to get in. But here's what I am going to say. The disrespect that goes on behind the scenes, the, I don't want to call it pillow talk, because I don't want to say pillow talk, but it's definitely had too many fucking rums or brandies talk. And it gets back to me. It's disappointing, but he'll find out, man. Selling tickets for people to come and watch you talk, take time out of their day to sit there patiently and listen to you. Harder than it looks, my friend. Harder than it looks. I remember the second live show we did at, I think it's the Tricycle Theatre by Old Street. And we could sell 140 tickets. That's what they told us. So we sold 140 tickets. 
I know somewhere between 10 and 15 people that were in there with no tickets. They wouldn't have been the only ones. I would be confident that we got, excluding the people who were on the panel, I think we were probably close to 160, 170 in there that night. And we probably could have gone to 250, 300. I take pride in that. Because we weren't supposed to win. We didn't have backing from the Middle East. We didn't have backing from the British promoters. We didn't have people compelled to engage with us. We just worked off our own back. And what that taught me about live events was people come to the live event because they want to hear what you haven't told them. They want to hear the stories you can't broadcast. That's really why they come. They come because they want to see the, the people behind the voices. Then they also want to see who their fellow fans are. And can they make bonds and become friends over that. All these things are really, really important. But when you've got a product that essentially kicks out videos, tweets, whatever, day in, day out. I don't know if you've got that same mystique. Do you know what I mean? I just don't, I don't buy that you've got that mystique. What can Hearn tell us now that he's never told us before? If it's anything salacious, then, do you know what I mean? That's just going to live on in terms of social media. If it's just vanilla stuff, people go, look, he's just a corporate puppet. It's, it, it's kind of a hiding to nothing. If, if I'd been advising Coogan, I would have said, mate, Get one person everyone knows and get loads of guys who are on the way up who've got a lot to say for themselves. And then I would have let the chemistry build off that. Damn. Um, I think I should talk some boxing now, really, shouldn't I? Done a lot of stuff on the tabloidy stuff. Should really talk boxing. And one of the questions I've got is, how, how is Jamel Charlo not top five pound for pound? I don't really understand it. Because if you look at Jamel Charlo's record, um, go back to the Gabe Rosado fight and then work your way up. That might be the best CV in boxing. And I'm, I'm basing this on who he fought. Okay, you, you should be allowed to lose to someone like a Tony Harrison when he's on fire. And you should be allowed to draw with Brian Castano as well. Those aren't bad results. But he put himself, he put himself in the firing line. And if he beats Tim Zhu, which is by no means guaranteed because he's on a run himself. If Jamel Charla beats Tim Zhu, how is he not number one pound for pound? Because 154 might be the hardest division to, to assert dominance in right now. Yep. So do I put Charla above Usyk? Yes. Do I put Charla above Fury? Yes. Do I put Charla above Spence? Oh. Hard. But Charla's undisputed at 154. So you have to put him above. Above Crawford? Crawford's got his 140 undisputed and he's close to undisputed here. So that's a little bit harder. But when, at a time when people like Lomachenko are still hanging around and you know if they could sneak Golovkin in, they would. Jamel Charlo not being in there is a disgrace. That's why I don't take pound for pound lists seriously. Jamel Charlo is one of those names you write down first. You go, well, he's undisputed and he earned the undisputed title. It's not like he fought once and then got four belts. He fought multiple times for those belts. And a lot of the wins he got were spectacular. So, how he doesn't qualify is beyond me, but hey, it is what it is. And then it's turning out that his brother's going to fight Canelo. I think it's 168. 
a lot of people think oh, he's been inactive for so long, but Canelo is generally inactive, right? So Canelo's inactive in a fight, so you don't need reserves of physical stamina to deal with him, but you need reserves of mental stamina. But what you also need is a high work rate to keep Canelo busy. You can't fight at his pace or he'll survive the 12 rounds. And I think Charlo's got the tools to do a lot of damage, but he's going to need that work rate to do it as well. But can you imagine those guys, like Jamal and Jamal, just sitting on top of the boxing world? I think it would be a lot of fun, but that would be one crazy ride. That would be an absolutely crazy ride because, wow, you know, how often is it that twins get to do things like this? The last thing I want to touch on is this. If Anthony Joshua versus Dillian White is being held up because of a rematch clause. So I think, wow. So essentially, Joshua wants to be able to call a rematch whenever he wants, but he doesn't want to give Dillian the same right. But these guys are both nowhere. Joshua's got no belt, and this money thing, this A-side thing is nonsense. Right? right now, Anthony Joshua needs Dillian White. Dillian doesn't. He could, Dillian could just retire, and he'd be good. And Joshua would still be looking for a dance partner before he got his head spun in, in December. And, you know, fighting a Southport Otto Island might not be the best thing you want to do. So why not just let Dillian be able to call a rematch? Like, if he gets knocked out, of course he's not going to call a rematch. Why would he? The fans wouldn't support that. But if the fight's compelling and competitive, why not? But, you know, from a business perspective, it might stop something happening in Saudi. But then that's on Joshua to get a decisive win. That's the pressure you need. But, wow. Do you remember? There was a time when that fight was being mooted for, for three of the four belts. Now they're going to fight for none. Lesson in that? Don't negotiate yourself out of an opportunity because both those guys must regret that now. And on that note, let me tap out and say, listen, if you're out in the sun, have a great day. If you're not blessed with some sunshine, hopefully you, you have brighter days soon. But I'm looking forward to this. So you guys take care.